When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here we go. And we are good. Back, everybody. Welcome to the Corridor cast. Uh, we got a lot of requests from the audio-only crowd to state... Who the heck is on the podcast before we get too deep into it? So for all you audio listeners out there, today we have special guests, Nico Perringer. Hi. We've got Wes Wasgood Armstrong. We've got Christian Fergerstrom. Oh, hello, hello. And of course, Clinton, the one and only Punisher Jones. That's me, everybody. And of course, your your host, me, Jake Watson. So, uh, Wes and I were uh, chit-chatting the other day, just, uh, you know, kind of about life and about uh, what does it all mean and and how do you um, prepare for moments like a quarantine and uh, what do you learn during moments of a quarantine? And um, we we came across the topic of of personal finance. And um, so I'd like to caveat this first and foremost, this whole conversation. None of us here are financial experts. You guys all know that. We don't normally offer financial advice and we're not offering financial advice here. We're just telling our tales. But what we'd like to do in this podcast is, is sort of give you a perspective on on where each of us are at with uh, our personal finances, what we learned, how we learned it, um, how we came to learn those things. And um, hopefully that'll give you a little bit of a perspective on what just some, some other average Joes across the, across the state or across the world are, are doing for themselves and, and trying to weather the storm of a quarantine and uh, things of that nature. So uh, welcome and uh, I'm glad everyone's here. Guys, thanks for joining yeah, I'm Thank happy you to for be here on yes. our podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, happy to be here, ready to learn, share information. Uh, so, so with that said, I mean, um, I think the first and foremost thing that that we should kick it off with is just uh, where, at what point in your life did you start to think about, um, hey, finances? Um, maybe I <laughs> should, uh, maybe I should save, maybe I should squirrel a little bit away. Uh, what was your first experience with with personal finance? And it can be a tale from when you were a kid, or it can be just as recently as as yesterday. Uh, but I'd like to kind of kick it off with that and and see where that goes. I think yeah, started last week. Oh no, sorry, not last week. Uh, <laughs> at, top, at top of the quarantine, um, you know, just like what is it about financing and money that I do not know? And so I started out with, um, you know, I looked up a bunch of things on like just finance in general, like how to grow your money. And I came across rich dad, poor dad, 
and I listened to the audio book and I just haven't stopped. So like for like the past month, I've been knee deep into everything finance. So did it come from the fact that you were sitting there and you watched the Dow Jones industrial drop uh, about <laughs> value in about three days? Yeah, no, like, like you know what? hey, what's going on here? I, you, they're just through different conversations around. You hear people say, oh, yeah, the stock market's down. Yeah, it's time to invest. Like, and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? What does that mean? Exactly. What does that yeah. mean? And um, nobody was really giving me information. I, I felt stupid asking, what does that mean? So I just went to Google. I was like, you know, like, learn about stock market. You know, like, what books did I read? And a, a whole bunch of books came up. And uh, I was like, all right, I hear about Rich Dad Poor Dad all the time. Let me, let me, let me just go through this and see what's up. And it just kind of opened my mind to so much stuff that's going on that I have no idea about in terms of stocks, in terms of how to manage money, in terms of how to, like, when you get money in, how to pay yourself first, but then invest, you know, like just take 30% for investments and tithing and, and saving. So let's start with that first, uh, let's start with that first question. Like, yeah. we all saw what happened in March. And the Dow Jones Industrial, you know, it went down from about, it was almost about to cross 30 and it went down to 19. Where are you looking at that? Uh, that's just on, uh, just Google literally Dow Jones and go to five year view. He's got one of those little things that sticks out like the white tape under yeah, like, the glass dome. The it's if, like, I look, <laughs> if I have my assistant look back on the ticker. <laughs> yeah, and but so that's the that's the first thing is like when someone says, "Hey, it's March twentieth. The Dow Jones has gone from almost thirty thousand to twenty thousand. It's a good time to buy." Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, in your opinion? Well, what it means is so you know, when you start investing, you also need to start being aware of like what currency is and how it works. And so like, if you buy one stock for ten dollars, and and there's your Dow Jones illustration. If you buy one stock for ten dollars and then go to five a years, days, a couple days later that one stock is now worth twenty dollars, you know it's important to keep in mind you're you're holding on to this this piece of property which is basically a share of a company usually but it can be, you know some goods it can be like a, a barrel of oil that you own you know etc. But at the end of the day it really just it's money that's going into the hands of other businesses for them to work with. Um, much like how money goes into a bank's hands for them to deal with giving out loans and things like that. But when, uh, when the value changes, it's really actually kind of changing the value of the dollar in a way, the money that you use to buy that thing. So right when the stock goes down, right? When, when, when the stock market goes down and all the prices dip down, if you happen to be holding dollars, your dollars have become more valuable. Um, the stock's value relative to a dollar has gone down. So that's a good time to buy because basically you can think about the fact that, that assuming that the stock will go back up, um, it's basically on a discount. Um, your dollars worth more valuable. You can put it into the stock, which is less valuable, but which historically is more valuable. And then that value goes up. Now you have to be careful if you're buying individual stocks, companies are not guaranteed to succeed. Um, that's why one of the things we'll be talking about here are things like index funds, which are basically a, a risk management way to approach stocks and bonds and things like that, where you can spread out your dollar amongst lots of different companies evenly. And at the point, basically at that point, you're just, you're buying into the economy. If you think that the American economy is going to go down, you should not invest. And by go down, I mean permanently go down forever. And if that does happen, we have many other bigger things to worry about than how much retirement savings we have. <laughs> <laughs> but historically, the American economy has grown uh, to the rate of about 7% every year. Um, 
you know, some years are down years. Some years are huge up years. Like I think last year was like 15% um, in terms of growth. Um, so, you know, it all, it all evens out in the wash as they might say. Uh, so the idea is that when you're doing investing, not in the day trading sense, but in the, you know, the casual, put some money away for later, say for retirement sense, you're kind of just betting on the entire economy to continue going up. Um, and ideally your money grows at a 7% rate every year. Now, the thing that like catches a lot of people like by surprise is the fact that inflation, which goes up about two and a half to 3% every year, inflation is making your money less valuable if your money is just sitting in a savings account. So if you put, you know, if you put 300 bucks into your account to buy an Xbox 10 years ago, well, guess what? Xboxes now cost $400 and those 300 bucks are worth less than they were, you know, 10 years ago. So if you are saving money, if you don't want to lose money on the fact that you are saving money, you need to make sure that that money is invested in a, in a spot where it's going to grow faster than inflation. And what you don't want to do is expose yourself to a bunch of risk in that process. Um, so yeah, that's why things are at a discount right now. That's why people say you should buy right now is because the stock market is down, but historically it's going to go back up. And also we can really pinpoint why it's down. Um, it's the coronavirus. It's obvious why it's down. Now, if there's like huge economic impacts from that, that we don't know yet, you know, that's the risk that you kind of take because there is a risk we invest, but you know, your dollars right now, if you happen to have liquid dollars, they will, they will buy you more stock than they did, you know, three months ago when everything was at its peak. Um, what is, what is yeah. that for me, Nico, right here on the, on the Dow Jones? What's that? This number what right mean? here. Which number? You're not screen sharing anymore. Again. I'm not a screen share anymore. No, tell us, tell tell us for audio anyway, too. Oh, you know what? They're trying to update my system on, on this. <laughs> <laughs> Windows needs to update. <laughs> oh, there it goes, Wes. Are you talking about <laughs> by Wes? God, dude, God. he just got updated so hard. <laughs> hey, Wes has left the chat. He'll be back. <laughs> He'll be back. Uh, I'm assuming the number he was saying was like the number of like Dow Jones, like Dow Jones at 24,630. Yeah. Yeah. What is Uh, that number? Nico. Well, actually here, go ahead. Let's, let's answer the question. What that number is. I don't know what that number is. There's only 30, there's only 30 stocks in the Dow Jones and uh, that's the average. Um, So I, it, I don't know the actual specifics of how they get that number, but I do know that it is some form of average. Um, there's some sort of averaging arithmetic based upon the 30 stocks that are in that exchange that create that value. Yeah, you also have the S&P 500, the Russell 3000. The NASDAQ, yeah. You can basically look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average as an index fund in a way. Uh, and you can actually buy index funds that basically match the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yeah. Uh, so that overall, as that number goes up and down, so will your money that's invested in it. The value of the index is the sum of the price of one share of stock for each component company divided by a factor, which changes whenever one of the component stocks has a stock split. Right. It sounds like it's basically all the stocks added together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, effectively, yeah. That's so if you wanted to buy one stock of every company in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that's how much it would cost you. You'd have to spend... 25 grand yeah so uh there's a lot of fancy words being thrown around like dow jones industrial and index funds and mutual (laughs) funds let's take a step back yeah take it back um, back. what is interest where does it come from (laughs) well actually i'm going to throw out there that if we start getting into the nitty-gritty of these things we're going to get bogged down because we're not we're not professionals i think we're going to be better off just talking about our experience with this and like how we approach it 
Uh, which which service do you go to, um, Nico? Uh, I'm a big proponent of Vanguard. So, hey, everybody listening to this podcast is thinking about uh, investing. Um, at the end of the day, you're probably going to want to look at Vanguard as your go-to once you kind of have your head wrapped around it. If you're just looking to get started and do something simple, something like Betterment, which is what Clint and Christian have just kicked off with, is a great way to start. Um, Vanguard is when you're going to want to get a little more serious about it. Um, beginning one is robin hood as well i mean like there's so many options out there like I'm, i messed around with like a few different ones i did i did robin hood and then i did yahoo finance where like yahoo finance gives you kind of like live updates of what's going on currently in the stock market during the opening hours and then i just went over to td ameritrade and sent everything from my robin hood over there and i only like that one i like that one right now because it has like education you can literally take classes on there about everything that's going on. So if I want to know about mutual funds or ETFs or stocks and bonds, I can literally take a three-hour class, read it, and test me in person, and just continue going. That's yeah. awesome. But here's here's the catch, and like here's how people get screwed. Uh, and this happened to a lot of people with 401ks, which led to them uh, passing laws over it. So anything that's a fund or it's a collection of things – Somebody's managing the fund. Even if it's not actively managed, some company still has to set it up and manage it, and they will charge you fees to do so. Um, so Vanguard, for example, for their stock market index fund, which is literally just a composite of the stock market that represents the overall stock market. Um, it's a very simple thing to set up. You just look at the stock market, and you take an average of all the different companies, and you buy into that. You know, There's not a lot of active managing there. That has a 0.04% fee. To use. So basically, if you have a dollar in there, it's going to cost you four cents. Um, now, sorry, I said that wrong. It'll cost you, if you have a hundred dollars in there, it'll cost you 40 cents. That's how much it'll cost you. So it's a really low fee. However, something like their retirement fund, which is set up in a different way to be actively changed a little bit each year, um, that has a 0.25% fee. So if you have a hundred dollars in the market for that, you're looking at $2. Man, my math is so bad. <laughs> 1%. dollars be $1, be 25 cents. Be 25 cents. Okay. Yeah. Be 25 cents. Whereas, sorry, I, the other one I said 40 cents, so I meant to say it's 4 cents. 4 cents, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a 4 cent fee versus a 25 cent fee uh, on $100. Now, what the catch is, if that fee is too high, say, let's say the stock market or the fund you have averages a 5% gain every year, but the fees are 3%. But that means that you're only going to make 2% on that fund every year because for all the 5% that you gain, the company isn't going to take 3% of that back. Um, and at 2%, you're not going to beat inflation. You'll be losing money. So you have to be really careful with all the funds that you're picking out that they don't have really high expense ratios because that really adds up over time. And if you're paying more than, say, a 01 to 0.2% uh, fee on something, you're probably paying too much. Once you get up to like the point fours you're starting to get a little screwed here vanguard is known for having really low fees which is why i recommend it to anybody when I start talking about, about investing draw your money this is the charge that's going to be associated with it per no, year this right is, this is just a charge that they charge you to have the money in their fund yep and I, I believe it's per year i could be wrong it might be per month or something like that but it averages out to be that percentage so i'm looking so, here that uh betterment and Wealthfront both charge an annual fee of 0.25 percent like you're saying Mm -hmm. um, if you want someone on the phone, an advisor on the phone, it's going to be 0.4%. Um, now, <laughs> <laughs> tell me how to do this. Um, but uh, the reason, so 0.25%. Um, it, That's not that, bad. 
Yeah, it's not bad. It's a, uh, it's an odd, it's like basically on autopilot. It's an autopilot thing. Like you set it up, you set all your parameters, you set your goals, you set how, how long you want it to go. Um, you set how risky you want it to be. You set the percentage of stocks versus bonds and you know, each account, like you'll have a savings account or you'll have an investment account. You can change the percentages and all that stuff. Um, so it, but it's auto. And for me, like I'm just getting started so that this is, this is what I need is like, just like an auto kind of thing to see how this works. And then maybe in the future go to a, was it Vanguard? Vanguard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's manual. That's like a manual, like kind of take the training wheels off kind of situation, I think. Right. And that's why the fees it doesn't are have to be, it doesn't have to be because Vanguard's set yeah. up to, I mean, you're right a little bit, Clint, um, better means a little bit simpler, but Vanguard's really not that complicated because if you just, if you just want to be simple and automatic, you can have Vanguard automatically take money. Um, uh, like say once per month from an account if you want and then you can have it automatically put it into a fund and if you don't want to think about it all you do is you pick a retirement fund for the year you want to retire and that's it it'll do all the risk management for you it'll do all the balancing for you it'll be like okay so if you're going to retire well, they, in 30 yeah, days, they will the people yeah. that run it will yeah like which is the same as betterment basically at that point yeah. it's like okay if you're going to retire in 30 years we'll give you a slightly higher risk and then as time passes the risk will go down and the, basically the amount of bonds and safer investments will go up in that account. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to research it. You just buy the retirement fund for the year you want to retire and call it a day. TD so, doesn't have any, I was looking at annual fees. TD mm-hmm. doesn't have any annual fees. It, the only fee they have is like 75. Oh, hmm? Okay. It says it, no annual <laughs> activity. I was about to see, I seen something for 65 cents. But, uh, <laughs> It has a $75 full transfer fee, uh, $0 partial transfer fee uh, when you're like closing. But what's the name of the fund that you own? Um, No, it's just, I'm just kind of going to trade individual stocks. Is it not? No, this is, this is going for everything. No fees for non-transactional fees or mutual funds. Um, It says number of non-transactional fees for mutual funds more than so those are those are fees per transaction that's talking about fees there. Per transaction, but we're talking about annual fees for having an account, correct? Yeah, for having not having an account for have for owning a fund. So anybody who has an index fund is going to charge you or mutual fund or anything like that is going to charge you a fee because they do have to deal with paperwork and managing it and that kind of stuff. Um, so you should see a cost either a cost ratio or a cost fee for the specific funds that you have, because TD Ameritrade is just a company, just like Vanguard is just a company. There isn't a Vanguard fund. There's specific funds within Vanguard that you would buy. So like I have the retirement fund, for example, um, and I also have the total stock market index fund, which I put a little bit of money into when the stock market went down mm-hmm. um, because I anticipated that it would go back up. So the stock market fund fee itself is only 0.04%. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I put inside the chat what I was looking at just now. I don't know why I was compared against this thing called Nerd Wallet, but uh, I just wanted to kind of see like what the. Uh... Yeah, you you need to know what actual funds you own within TD Ameritrade for us to look up the fees on those. But the fee thing is really important because it catches you by surprise because things like you know point twenty five percent, point one percent, that all sounds really small. But let's say like, once again, let's say you're making 6% on your investments. 
Well, 3% of that is inflation, uh, just to keep up with inflation. So in reality, your actual investment growth, your actual money growth is only the X, you know, if you have 6%, but 3% is inflation, then your actual growth is only 3%. And then mm-hmm. let's say you're paying a fee of 0.5%. You know, that's cutting, that's cutting into your actual wealth by an entire 6%. You're giving away a of all of your money you are making the company for that, you know, for them managing your money. And that, that really adds up over time. That becomes a lot of money. Um, so you have to be careful with those fees because what seems like a small percentage does become big as time passes. Yeah, if, you, if, you're, if they're taking a 4% fee like, and you're gaining- Even just like a 0.5% fee or 0.4% fee. Like, I mean, that's not huge, huge, but that's still, you know- exactly. one but, but For comparison, like if, you, if they, say, it's, say it's 2%, mm-hmm. which is, you know, pretty normal- um, and, and, the, but you're only gaining 5% a year, then you're really only gaining 3% net. And then, and then there's interest or there's yeah. inflation that you have to right. eat. And then, so, so you're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. So yeah, that's super important. And I think we should, before we, we kind of went everywhere. I think yeah. let's, let's <laughs> take it, let's take it back. Let's talk about fundamentals here. Let's talk about like, for starting out, what are some of the things you should be, you have, okay, I'm Joe, I'm Joe investor. I've got a hundred dollars. I don't know anything. <laughs> what do I do? You know, where do I go? Where do I put it? Like, all right, let's each take like, one turn buy, doing a one minute piece buy, of advice. Do I buy a share of my favorite company or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go. I would say, um, Research the company that you're interested in. You know, like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot, there's always he say, she say, but like your research is probably the best, you know, find out more about the company uh, because what I've noticed. Don't, don't put a hundred, don't, if you only have a hundred dollars and you're investing for the first time, yeah. don't put it into a single stock. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, spread it out. What, what, you know, like, okay. That's gambling, that's, right? That's rule number one. That's pretty much <laughs> pretty gambling. Much. Rule number one. Yeah, don't put it all in one, but like research the company and just kind of like spread it out and just look and see what it does. See what this $100 does with, you know, get up in the morning when the stock market opens and watch. (laughs) Notice how like, you know, the stock to me kind of moves off of emotion. You know what I mean? As soon as Elon Musk says something like, take for instance, when he's like- Breaking rule number one. (laughs) (laughs) You're breaking rule number one, Wes. What's break rule number one? What's don't it? invest. If you have $100, don't put it into a single company. Oh, yeah. No, I believe it. Don't where, do where it. I go left at? What's that? <laughs> I think you're just because you're focusing on re- do the research in this company that you like. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just saying, <laughs> like, broad strokes. Like, the big, yeah. like, you're looking long term. You're like, how do I save for retirement 30 years from now? Gotcha. 20 years from now? Like, do, for, buy a fund first is the first thing and do it yeah. through a company that's safe and do it through a company that's tried and true and do it through a company that has low costs on, on the money that you're putting in. So yes. go to, go to people that already do it with trillions of dollars. Yeah. Try to find one that has a low interest rate, a low take rate on the money that you give them to, for that, for that fund and, and start there. You're saying that's, mutual fund first with a, a well-rounded company yeah like start start there get take take your if you've got a hundred dollars and you're starting out take 90 of them take 80 of them and start there okay well 
First, actually, right. I'll, my, my turn. That's what I would Okay, do. go for it, Nico. Okay. First things first, you need an emergency fund. So take, like, take your living costs, take three months of living costs. That money does not go into the stock market. Oh, that yeah. money does, does not go into investments at all. I would take the money, I would put it into Ally. There's a, so there's an online bank, Ally Bank. They have a savings account. It's one and a half to 2%. Uh, so your money, at least you can put it in there. It's at no risk. It's not you know, subject to any stocks or anything like that. You know, at least grow at one and a half to 2%. So take your, your emergency fund, put it in there. Everybody should have an emergency fund. Uh, we just demonstrated in real life these pa- this past six weeks that everybody needs an emergency fund because suddenly your job disappears and you are out and you are floundering and trying to figure out where your next meal is going to come from. So you need to at least have three months of living expenses saved up in your emergency fund. And like I said, put it in an ally account, let it at least get one and a half to 2% because that adds up over time. That's number one, right? That's number that's one. Number one. That's, that's like important. before you even invest. Before you, in that's before you even invest. Yeah. That's, yep. That one gains yeah. over how long? It gains monthly interest, yearly interest, annually. Interest. Money interest in an ally account. Yep. You'll get one and a half to 2%. Uh, and that fluctuates as the market fluctuates, but it never goes down. You'll never lose money in that account. Don't put your money in a savings account at your bank because they're going to give you like 0.01% and they're going to catch you on fees and they're going to use you to make money. You will not make money through your bank. Your checking account does not make you any money on interest. Any money. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. We can basically, guys, the podcast just started. I know you've been listening for 30 minutes, but it just started because this is rule number one. Um, yep. Take three to six months of your personal living expenses and put it in a savings, an interest-bearing, an interest-bearing savings account. Yeah, not a CD, by the way. Not yeah, a no, uh, not a CD. Not a CD. Get that back if you need it. What does yep. CD stand for, by the way? Certificate of deposit? No. Yeah, something like that. I think it's like certified. It is a certificate of deposited account. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've, I learned about, my mom told me about this. It's basically money that you don't want to touch once you put it in there. Because it's only going to make that interest if you let it go within that certain time period. So it's probably not your best option. Because the ally, you like you said, it's got... 30-year terms. Sometimes. Yeah, you have to buy them on terms. So you can't really touch the money until that term's up or else you forfeit like all that interest and probably <laughs> extra fees. Yeah. So yeah. what Nico's saying is like a thing like Ally Bank, it's got a better interest rate, but you can access that money when needed. Yep. So I got something for you guys here. Wait, wait, wait. hold on, real quick. Is it? Is it? Is this? Um, is this like a Roth IRA though? No, those are very different. Um, a CD is basically just a guaranteed return on money. So if somebody don't, says, "Don't me, buy a CD, guys." Don't do it. Though. Yeah, don't, don't buy a CD. We'll you do don't have access just, to that money. Buy it for yeah. your grandkids. Okay. <laughs> don't worry don't buy it for your grandkids. Give them an index. <laughs> okay, whatever. If you're trying to get money saved up for the first time in your life, first of all, control your spending. Second of all, <laughs> take three months of earnings and put it into an interest-bearing savings account, bank account, liquid cash. Okay? Start yep. there. Step two, pay off any debts that are costing you more than 6%. Oh, God. Because yeah. that's a guaranteed 6% return on your money. The market is not guaranteed. On average, it's 6 to 7%, mm-hmm. but it's not guaranteed. Pay off any debts that are charging you more than 6% first before you put any money into investing. If you have debts that are charging you at like 3% or 4%, that's where you might actually make more money investing that money than like paying off that debt. So don't worry about that quite as much. You can pay off the debt slowly, but anything more than 5 to 6%, get rid of that first. 
all so your. I had a I had a, uh, a law school loan. It was eight point three percent. Oof! And I paid that off first thing because I knew that that would linger. Unless I had a guaranteed like ten percent return on something, there was no better way to make money than to pay off that loan. Yeah. Yeah. So I did the same thing with my student loan. I got rid of my student loan first. Nice. Yeah. And, then and then your credit will go up when you do that. I'm mm. still yeah. And it is budging like <laughs> yeah, student, student debt is tough. I think right, that's one so of the... Rule number two. Yeah. Pay, pay off, off high interest debt. Any high interest debt. I don't know why I'm writing this down. I guess... <laughs> <laughs> if you can read that i can read that that's great hardly legible <laughs> okay great all right we're making progress here all right now you're ready for investing you've got your emergency fund set up and you've got anything that's costing you like more than five to six percent paid off hopefully now you're ready to start you know, so you got some more money you got some more funds now you're ready to start paying that off all right next thing you do is you can start investing but and this is where wes's question comes in when you start investing, do it through an IRA first. The reason for that is because the government taxes you on the money you make. And so everything you make, you're going to get a little chip taken off of it every time. Anytime there's like dividends going out, you're going to get some money taken away from the government. Anytime you want to sell it and like buy something else, you're going to get money taken away from the government. And capital gains taxes are 20%. So let's say you buy a stock, not to get dividends, but just you're going to sell the stock down the line. It, you, know, you bought it for 100 bucks. It increases to you know, $200. Wow, what a great investment. Well, the government's going to come in and take $20 of that away. So 2% of that growth is gone from the government taking it. Um, I think my math's correct there. I tried to keep it to 100, so it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you have to keep in mind that you know, when you're just doing regular investing that's not an IRA, the government's going to take out of it and it's going to impact your growth just like you know the person managing the fund is going to have fees that impacts your growth and the whole idea is that you're only growing at five to six to seven percent so you really got to minimize these these things that chip away at that so an ira is a is a tax sheltered investment account um and there's two flavors of it there's a regular ira there's a roth ira i'll give a quick overview of them so a regular ira you put money into the account uh without having to pay taxes on it so like let's say you've made you know, a thousand dollars and you want to put it into your IRA, the government will not charge you taxes on that thousand dollars. Um, cause for every dollar that you make, you're really only making 70 to 80 cents because the government technically is, you know, taking that next 20 to 30%. So this time you get to keep all of your dollar, 100% of your dollar that you earn and you get to invest that. So right there, you're already saving money. And then in that IRA, which once again, you can buy any stock you want, you can buy any fund you want. It's basically just a categorization of that money. It's not an actual thing. It's just a categorization. Um, anything that you now have in that IRA gets to grow tax-free. You can buy and sell stocks within it tax-free uh, as long as you don't take the money out. Then finally, when it does become time to take the money out, and here's the catch. You can't take it out until you are 60 years old. <laughs> once you do take the money out, you will pay it in uh, income tax on that money but only income tax. You don't have to pay your capital gains or anything like that. Um, so the, the bet with an IRA is that you'll be, you're making more money right now than you will be when you are retired and pulling money out of it. And if you are making more money Makes when you're sense. retired, well, good job. Good for you, you. Well, you got that <laughs> yep. extra money there, but yeah, you're, yep. you're doing great. 
Now, for those of you guys who are, uh, oh, the government's going to raise taxes, big government, et cetera, you have something called a Roth IRA. And the Roth IRA is basically the same thing. Your, ta- your money that's now invested in that IRA gets to grow tax-free. However, you've paid your income taxes up front. So if you made 1000 bucks, uh, you're going to have to pay the government the income taxes first. So you really only get to keep, you know, 70 to 80% bucks. of that. Okay. Yep. And then you get to invest it. And, but when you take it out, you don't have to pay income tax on you it. You get then. that lump sum, that, ta- that full amount yep. at the end of No that. taxes on it at that point. So it's just line. less on the upfront that you're depositing if you go with the Roth because they take it out initially. Or you wait until you're 60 and have a big chunk of that taken out after the fact. Exactly. And uh, honestly, at the end of the day, it all comes out to be kind of the same thing. Because, <laughs> you know, one, you're starting with a smaller number and then growing it uh, tax-free. The other one, you're starting with a bigger number and you're growing a tax free, but then you have to take a chunk out at the end, you know? So also somewhere in the process. How long you're holding the, the IRA for. Yeah. Um, the, but yeah. The Roth IRA uh, income up front one, uh, can you also put money into that to like for stocks as well? Or is it just- Yeah. Like- you can buy stocks through your IRA. Yep. And you probably want to go low go risk on that, right? Like you'd probably want to do more bonds than stocks. And it actually, no, you'd want to go high risk on your IRA unless you are old. So that the, I thought the idea behind the IRA is that the government wants to encourage you to save for your retirement. Um, so you can only, like I said, you can pull money out beforehand, but there's a big penalty. Um, generally speaking, you can only pull money out After when 60. you are 60 years old. Um, so that right now, you know, for me, that's 26 years away. Um, which is kind of scary when I think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But for most people here in this, in this, in this group, it's somewhere between, you know, 20 and 30 years away. Um, So that's a long time. If the stock market dips, like it just dipped last month, it's not going to be a big deal 20 years from now. Like that's where the whole law of average comes into play. Like the stock market averages 7% a year. Well, over 20 to 30 years, you're probably good. In fact, there's not, you can't pick a point in the stock market history where somebody can buy money and then have lost money if they've held it in the stock market for that long period of a time. Even if you bought at the worst possible high and you are selling at the worst possible low 20 or 30 years later, there's no way to do that right now to actually have that work out to have you lose money because um, it's just the stock market averages at 7% over time. Um, so you actually want to go a little bit higher risk for the longer time that you have in the market. If you're only going to be in the market for a couple of years, go really low risk. If you're going to be in the market for 30 years, go high risk because that time mitigates that risk. The average. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't buy crappy stocks. <laughs> like, don't go too hard on it. You know, be smart. Go straight um, into any stocks and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Question with the IRA. Is there like, um, so like an option is to kind of do it in the same like index way where it spreads it out or, do, or when you're doing IRA, you're specifically choosing companies and stocks. You can, you can buy literally the exact same stocks, index funds, mutual funds, et cetera, ETFs. You can do the exact same thing in an IRA that you do in a regular brokerage account. It's literally just a classification for that money to not get taxed. More, and it's more for retirement and non-tax. Yes. The, the whole idea is for retirement. Um, and you can actually, so you ready for some more catches? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a limit to how much you can put into your IRA. It's, uh, I think it's now it's $6,500 a year. Um, so you, you can't put more money than that into your IRA to save up until you are 55 years old. Then you can put more money into your IRA if you want, cause it's just going to sit there for a few years. Um, but yeah, so just 
just be aware of that. Your IRA gain interest? Yes. I mean, does that interest fluctuate? It depends on the stocks and the uh, indexes that you buy. So, yes. Don't buy any. I remember, I remember when, I was, uh, when I was 18, my mom had me invest like into Roth IRA. And then when I became like 19 or 20, like I'm still in college, but like I'm broke. And I'm like, I need to get my money out, you know? And so like I went and I withdrew it. And they were like, hey, it's a high interest rate if you want to withdraw right now. And I was like, cool. I need it. You just needed it. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So like that 5k ended up being like maybe like 4,200 or 3,500 or something like that. But for me, I was like, cool. You know, like, yeah. It's a 10% yeah, but you, penalty. But you lost that early withdrawal. You lost, the, you lost that 10% obviously because yeah. you're young and you needed the cash now. But that, that Roth IRA is what gains interest unattached to any stocks or anything that still gains interest all the time. Yeah. We should be clarified. You're saying interest. Technically that's not interest. Um, you gain interest on like say a bank account that's giving you interest. Um, when you buy an index fund, you're not gaining interest. You're gaining value. Um, in an index fund, it pays you in many different ways. There's uh, there's dividends where if you own a stock in a company every year, they give you a percentage of the profit. Um, there's the actual value of the stock itself going up. Um, but that's not interest. Uh, that's just, People tend to use the word interest interchangeably because we're used to interest just referring to how much money, you know, you're gaining over time. Adding on top. Yeah. Yeah. So just want to be clear on that. So the, uh, you gain dividends off of an index fund, correct? Dividends are off of a, so remember an index fund is just a collection of stocks. Um, An index fund is just, you know, one stock from Apple, one stock from Tesla, one stock from Facebook, you know, anything, any company, you know, like Jake said, there's farming index funds that are, you know, food related and all these different agriculture businesses. There's textile index funds. There's health company index funds. Um, there's the entire stock market, broad stock market index funds. Um, and they are compi- comprised of shares of individual uh, companies. And because it's a group of people buying into it, aka that's where the term mutual fund comes from, um, you know, they can, rather than you having to be able to afford an entire share of every company, you can just get a portion of a share because somebody else owns the other portion of a share. Um, so yeah, it's, so you only get dividends if you happen to own shares in a company that gives dividends for their stocks. Um, many of them do, um, but different companies are different. Uh, some companies try to have a very even stock price and they have a, just a decent dividend pay- payout at the end of the year, which is similar to say how Ally gives you a one and a half to 2% on your money that's in their bank account at the end of the year. Other companies don't give dividends and they just try to have their uh, stock value grow. Um, and then you make your money in that company, not by, not by the dividends, but by selling the stock after the value has ideally gone up. Um, cool. Well, I'm going I'm to I'm jump in here. I know we're jumping all over the place, but I'm, I'm going to dial it back for the more layman's <clears throat> person yeah. listening or watching. Um, yeah, I just kind of bring you guys up where I'm at. So, and also to kind of answer Jake's opening question of like personal finance and where we were, I would say, um, you know, as I got into my professional career and after I kind of got past that point of obviously I'm making enough to live where I live and, and, you know, basically the cost of living, um, there was definitely a, a moment where it was like, okay, now I see the value of like taking some of that extra money that I'm making and making sure I save it because it's obviously a great idea to, you know, in case anything goes wrong, it's good to have a little bit of a savings going, right? Um, 
and now, um, so then, yeah, now we go like till today or, you know, present time. I feel like I've done pretty good on the, the step checklist that we just did that Jake wrote out, you know, started building a savings, got rid of the kind of the debt. And now I'm at the point where I'm like starting to realize, okay, you know, I, I've got a grasp on my cost of living and how to, you know, just save money on my own. Now I want to get to a point, And now that I'm researching and learning, like, you know, with you guys and Clint, like, how do I start investing to have my money make money for me? Right. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And so, yeah, where I'm starting at is that I, I joined that, that Betterment app and it was very you know, intuitive and super easy to think. So I'm basically at the point of where I've put a little money in to invest in an index fund. And I chose one like the S&P 500, right? So it spreads it across the whole thing between stocks and bonds. Um, you know, and then obviously it's a long-term thing. I started like yesterday, so I'm not going to see profits right away, but you know, it's, it's a long-term thing. We're talking like, you know, in five, 10, 30 years, you want to look back at that money that you're, you're putting in. Um, to you know grow grow for you so then you you can you know it'll be valuable valuable to you later um, and that's kind of where i've started at you know but then yeah obviously uh, the next things i do want to look into obviously there's all kinds of tools of like how to buy a home or how to save it for kids but yeah i definitely the next step for me is that i want to look into this ira slash retirement fund like it would be nice to know that when i decide to stop working that i'm still set you know um so that's kind of where i'm so i'm like yeah i've got the the, the fundamentals of those steps done and I'm just now dabbling into how do I, you know, where do I put my, my kind of overflow cash into places where it can start making money for me over time. So that's where I'm at. And I mean, yeah, right now that's, this is all super helpful. I think um, all the IRA talk that you were just talking about has definitely piqued my interest because a retirement fund is something that, you know, I, I think Nick, uh, Clint, when we were on set yesterday, said something like a stat, like, yeah, like when you start it, or even Nico might've said it, like when you start at 25, you know, that's kind of like the trajectory of how like to set yourself up for a good future. So I'm 28 now, maybe a little late to the game, but like you said, there's no better time to start than now. Yeah. It's uh, the best time to invest was 10 years ago. The next or, best time to invest is right, right now. now. <laughs> yep. Even if this market is high, like don't put all your money into it at once, sure. but over time, just a little bit every month. Um, even if it's high, don't, don't try to time the market when it comes to long-term investing. Whether you bought at a peak or a valley does not matter 20 or 30 years down the line. Yeah, that's and what I kind of feel like too. Yeah, I don't want to go, you know, I'm, again, yeah, I'm, I'm on the Clint side of things where it's like, I don't want to be the guy that's looking at every individual stock and trying to play the market like that. Like, you know, I want it to, obviously I want it to know that it's going to a good cause, but I kind of want it to, like you said, invest in things that are more secure in the long term, whether or not it's low or high right now. Or instinct like that. <laughs> yeah. The hardest challenge that a lot of people go through is the emotional ups and downs, you know, like the 2008 crash or right now with the, you know, the coronavirus crash, I guess it wasn't really a crash, but it definitely went down. Um, it's scary. Oh, yeah. And you see a crash, <laughs> I guess, but it, it bounced back pretty quick, to be honest. Um, it, was like a, it was like a dirt crash. And then it's kind of like, this. <laughs> like recovered, <laughs> recovered from the crash. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're still in the air. <laughs> we may have lost a wheel, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I saw my investments, my savings, my retirement savings go down by 25% um, when that happened. It's like, you know, that's a lot of money that I was saving wow. up that just disappeared. But it's, I also have to remind myself that a lot of that value that I saw was because, I mean, I started investing like six years ago uh, at the request of my wife. She's like, Nico, you should start doing this. And <laughs> that's why I started my first IRA. Um, so when I when looking at it in that regard, it's like I was 
still just back to where I, like, had I not done anything, like I still, I would have had the same amount of money I had after the, like in the middle of the crash, the worst point in the crash. So like knowing that, that, like even, you know, I was really just losing my gains. I hadn't lost anything of like my actual money. Of the initial investment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, that was six years ago when the market was already at that level um, or below it actually. But the thing is like that really tests your emotions when you see that money, like all that value go down and you just have to remember like it's a long haul thing. Just let it ride. It'll come back up. And if it doesn't, it means that the world is fucked and you're just in trouble. Don't worry about your retirement savings anymore. You're not going to retire. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's something else. The bigger issue. Dollars aren't going to be worth anything anymore. Like, you know, how much money you have does not matter. Uh, so, it, you know, that's, that's the, the thought process you should have. So even when you see it all go down, just like, just let it ride. I mean, right now the market's already back to the point where it was in uh, like November of last year. So like I'm back up to, yeah, it's crazy. It's, that's how fast it bounced back up. Um, you know, it's not always going to be like that, but it's, uh, you just gotta, you gotta take your emotions out of it. You gotta put it in there and just be like, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to let it ride. It might go down. It might go up. Just, yeah, I'm not touching January it. of last year. Yeah. 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 Do you, um, take the money that you earn and then, uh, reinvest it? Yes, I do. Uh, when, when I have, so like, for example, let's say you have an investment for your, in your IRA, and you have, let's just say you happen to buy an Apple stock, right? Um, you just, you didn't do it fine. You just straight up just bought one, one share of Apple. Um, and let's say Apple pays you a dividend. Um, you can decide to reinvest that dividend back into another stock. Um, or so for example, let's say you own a thousand dollars in an index fund and the different things in there pay dividends. You can have it just buy more of that index fund if you want. Or you can have it, you know, go out and sit in cash for you to do something with later if you want to. But I have all of my stuff that's in long-term savings just automatically reinvesting the dividends. And that's, that's through the regular IRA, correct? Not the Roth you can IRA. do that through anything. Any, any index fund, you'll have the option to reinvest dividends. So question, are you currently still putting money into all of these funds or are you at the point where you're just reinvesting dividends? Uh, I still put a little bit of money into all these funds. To do be you fair, focus on any specific one? That where you, that where yeah. you deposit the IRA mm -hmm. or the, the index or the general investments or anything? Yep. So um, this, this year is a little weird because I'm buying a house. So I'm not saving, I'm not putting any money into funds. I'm putting the money into a house. Um, but when the stock market went down with the uh, coronavirus epidemic, I did put a little bit of money into Vanguard's total stock market index fund. So the total oh, stock market was down. It was suppressed. I didn't want to have to research individual stocks. And so I just put a little bit of money into that anticipating like, Hey, you know, maybe it goes up 10%. Go back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe I can make 10% of that money, which isn't huge at the end of the day, but you know, if it takes you a minute in the evening, just like do a little transfer. And then, you know, a few months later in the summer, it's like, Hey, I made a hundred bucks or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, you made a hundred yeah. bucks for a few minutes. Now is that through your regular Vanguard account or is that through one of the IRA vehicles? That's through Vanguard. I wasn't putting into an IRA, but you can. Like once again, it's important to remember that the IRA is not anything really special. It's just a category. Like if you're on Vanguard, you'll see like your brokerage account, and you'll see ask, you can select different vehicles within it. It's just, yeah, it's it's just yeah. like a, it's just like a coat for your money that tells, exactly that tells the government when you want to be taxed on it. Yep, that's all it is. So you can buy the exact same stocks, index funds, et cetera, in an IRA that you can in a regular brokerage account. So you're saying um, when it dipped, you put some money into the index fund of just the overall 
stock market would it can be comparable to just the S&P 500 but you're talking about yep. specific yeah it's okay. it's basically okay. the you know Vanguard's equivalent of like the, the overall the stock exchange gotcha yep um so the the two funds that i put most of my money into is the target retirement fund and the total stock market index fund um the stock market index fund is the risky one that's the one that is just pure stocks uh, the stock market goes down, it goes down. So like if I, for example, saving up for my down payment, I didn't put that into the total stock market index fund because there's no guarantee that that would be That's gonna where make, I needed yeah. it to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't actually, I didn't even put that into um, my target retirement fund. I mean, I put a little bit in there, but most of it just went into Ally and sat in Ally. Um, Cause I didn't want, I didn't want to have the risk exposure. And, you know, I, I started saving for down payment like about five years ago. Um, and there's no guarantee that you're going to make money on in a five-year span. That's actually a pretty short time span um, when it comes to long-term investing. So that's why I went with a really safe route. Um, but yeah, if people are like looking to get into this, I would recommend starting with the total stock or sorry, I'd recommend starting with the retirement fund. Um, like I have a target retirement 2055 fund, for example. And then if you're feeling a little risky and a little frisky, uh, you can put a little bit more money into, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, then you can put a little bit of money like into the total stock market index fund. And that one, I I try, I time it a little bit sometimes. Like if I see it, that it dips down, like, and I've been waiting to put some money into it, I'll do it then. But it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So, yeah. Those are, so those are the, those are the types of vehicles that, that, that when you, when you actually start putting dollars in through an investment, whether that's through an IRA or just through like a, a Vanguard or a Transamerica account or what have you, um, you're talking about like broad strokes vehicles. Like, yep. You know, one that indexes entire stock markets, another yeah. that's a mutual fund, another that's, you know, something that's going to be low risk long-term whether it's high risk now and it's like through an IRA and it gets more low risk over time or what have you. But that's, that's where you want to start is like, so so now you're talking about like three to six months of your savings of your personal, like cost of living, right? Is now that's an interest bearing savings account. And then wait, what's rule number two guys. We've got high interest debt. You've paid off your high interest debt, debt, right? And now you've got your vehicles. So that's, now after that that's when you can start that's when i at least at that point that's when i started thinking about like hey what are what are some blue chip stocks that i can buy (laughs) how's this company doing i wonder if i can buy this one and and what'll happen if i give them one if i buy one share yep and that's yeah only once you have everything else kind of covered is it time to start doing that unless like for example I'm pretty confident that Google's going to continue to make money. And so I bought like one Google share, you know, I'm pretty confident that Amazon's on the path to continue growing this business. So I bought one Amazon share. Like, you know, if you're in an industry and you're very close to how the economics are working in part of the industry, feel free to rely on your knowledge of that industry and buy a couple shares. Like my Adobe stocks guys. <laughs> I bought Adobe yep. at 220, son. <laughs> What's it at now? 350. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, if you're, you know, if you're close, <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't just go willy nilly buying things. Um, yeah, you know, totally. like I think this company is going to be good. So you might be thinking to yourself, all right, cool. Like 6%, 7%. Wait, I have to, if I actually invest like 10 grand just to make 700 bucks, 
Like that's so much money to like just make a little bit back. So you might be think like looking at the percentages and thinking that. And here's here's the thing. Here's the trick. So at a seven percent gain each year, your money will double every ten years. So mm-hmm. if you're 25 and you put five thousand dollars into an IRA and you didn't do anything else until you're 65, you literally didn't save a single penny. Well, from 25 to 35, that's going to become 10 grand. From 35 to 45, it's going to become 20. From 45 to 55, it's going to become 40. And that's without doing nothing. 55, it's going to do nothing. It becomes 80. So that $5,000 becomes $80,000 by the time you retire. Just sitting there. So if you are every year putting $1,000 into retirement or a little bit more if you can, um, that really adds up. And if you think about it, you know, People are living longer. <laughs> you know, if you retire at 65, you'll probably make it until your 80s at least. Now, it's um, not $80,000 in today's money, but still. No, that's true. But still. It's worth, you know, yeah, it goes to show you. That's a, that's a full year of high living when you're 65 yeah. <laughs> for five grand when you're 25. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can keep doing a little bit of that every year, it will really add up and you'll be able to have some money when you get old. Sorry for... I just got to ask a question. So the 70% gain each year, that is associated. <laughs> Sorry, Wes, Jake knocked over his microphone. It totally obscured what you were saying. Can you say that again? So the 7% gain each year, or I guess that's every, you're saying 7% gain each year, you'll double it every 10 years, correct? Yes. Seven and a half, yeah. Every seven and a half years, not 10 no, years? No, seven and a half percent. Seven and a half percent doubles every 10 years. Okay. And then, um, and that is through any type of investment? Or are you talking about through Vanguard? Or are you talking about? Uh, you're saying an IRA and retirement fund, right? Any, any value. Anything. Anything. Any oh, value. Anything. Any, uh, any anything. value. If, if I own a single share of Apple, and, and for the next 40 years, Apple's share price goes up 7.5%. This is just simple math. Mm-hmm. So any, any average that you can garner anywhere in, the, in, in any investment, if you can average 7.5%, you're, you're doing great. Yeah, it means your money will double every 10 years. Uh, in the stock market, remember, historically, averages around 6 to 7%. So, so it's, it's, it's totally feasible to actually, to actually have this work for you. Like, historically, it, it works. So, yeah, do not be discouraged. Yes, it is. All right, so say... I invest in Apple and it is like 400 bucks right? mm-hmm. and it jumps, you know, by the end of the week to 700 bucks mm-hmm. or five, six, seven, 400 bucks profit. Right. On that, mm-hmm. on that one share. Uh, on that one share. And I want to take that 400 bucks and I want to withdraw it out and spend four hundred dollars on. I wouldn't do. Yeah, I would. I could either move that stock someplace else, to, or do, use that cash to withdraw, put it in my account, or buy other stocks. Correct. Yes, but you will have to, of course, sell that Apple share to realize that gain. So you need to pay a brokerage fee to sell that share, depending on which service you're using, which can any be anywhere from like a dollar to five dollars. And then you'll also, if you don't reinvest it or it's profit at the end of the year, you'll need to pay capital gains tax on it. Yeah, unless it's in an IRA. Yeah. So, so, you, so you can't just use that 400 and 
go take it somewhere else without actually giving up that one Apple stock. Yeah, you'd have to sell the Apple stock. Sell the Apple stock, yeah. And you'd have to pay Uncle Sam his twenty percent capital. Yeah, he always wants. So every time I pull out, every time I pull out cash and say, "Hey, you know, this is more my buying power now that I've that I've earned. I want to put it in as like buying power. Mm -hmm. I'm paying capital gains on that." Yes. At the end of the year, yes. At the end of the year, whichever uh, whichever institution you use to do your trading will send you a tax form that says how much you made or lost that year, which will be taxed at capital gains. Yep. And part of this is because they actually don't want you to be constantly buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way to do that without pulling it all the way out to be taxed if you're planning to just reinvest it right away anyway? Or because nope. well, here's, here's the thing. Here's how I have to think about it. You only get taxed when you make money, right? Yeah. You're not going to tax if you lose money. So let's say you started the year with a hundred bucks. You bought a stock. It grew to 200 bucks. You sold that stock. Now you have 200 bucks to play with. You bought another stock. It grows 400 bucks. You sell that. Now you have 400 bucks to play with. And then, you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the year, now you have a thousand dollars. Well, you've made $900. That's, you know, that's income. The government's going to charge you capital gains or, you know, and other types of uh, taxes on that money. But if at the end of the year you made a bad decision also, and then you lost it all and you're back to 100, you don't owe them anything. You'll just pay them because the losses will offset your gains. Um, so you have to only make money to uh, get, have to pay capital gains, but you will have to pay capital gains anytime you have sold something and made money. Even if you buy more stocks. With yeah, I was going to say, so even if I put that 900 profit back into stocks, yep. I'm still paying taxes on that thousand. Yep. So yep. I still have to have that money to pay That's the tax, even though I'm using it to keep playing. You're not. You're caught a lot of people by surprise with Bitcoin. <laughs> you're, not buying a, you're not buying a stock like individually from Apple. You're not going to Apple and being like, "Hey, Apple, hey uh, guys, can I buy one of your stocks, please?" Um, you're doing it through a brokerage firm. Yeah. And the brokerage firm will will issue you a balance at the end of every year that shows whether you gained or lost. It'll okay. be like, "Here's where you started. Here's where you ended." So because of that, this is how much you owe the government. So they'll, also, they'll always give us a, like a P&L uh, printout. Yeah, only, if, but only if you sold. Only if you sold. Yeah, only if you're just holding it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Only if you sold. Gains have to be realized. It's a tax form. It's a basic tax form. But yeah. every brokerage entity that you use to buy and sell any kind of vehicle, whether it's an individual stock or a fund, um, will allow you to take any money you've earned and put it back into something. You don't. It's not like you need to take it out Put yeah, it to put it in things. Take it back out of your bank account, then put it into a new stock. Like yeah. they'll, they'll save you that step. So you're just saying, as long as you don't actually make it into cash first, and you just reapplying those funds to other options, then you're not going to get taxed until you make it cash, which you've had, and then you have to get back. <laughs> what you will at some point. Yeah, at some point you're going to want it. Yeah. At some yeah. point you're going to want that cash, and then it's going to be taxed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What were you saying about Bitcoin with that? Oh, a lot of people got caught by surprise uh, with capital gains taxes on Bitcoin. Because everybody's like, oh, I, got, I, was, I held on to some Bitcoins. And now they're worth like $1,000. They're worth $10,000 each. I'm going to sell my three Bitcoins. I made $30,000. And the government's like, you owe us ten grand." <laughs> and everybody's like, ugh. Because then a lot of people, like, oh, lot of people I used all 30K. I used all yeah. of it, though. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, I have 30K. Now I'm going to buy more Bitcoins with those th that 30K. Oh, it went down. Shit. <laughs> but then what happens is like it went up in like, say, 2018. And they bought all those Bitcoins in 2019 and then lost all their money. Yeah. But the government's like, like well, in 2018. It out 2018. What, at the end of 2018. <laughs> yeah, 2018, you had, you had that cash in your hand. Yeah. And so yep. you owe. You 
you get and you can you can carry losses over and do that kind of stuff, but you have to wait to yeah, yeah, that's, do so. That's a good so. thing because I I've been investing in like crypto as well, and you know, I everything I've started out with is just small money. All the stocks I've done is just kind of like individual. Let me just see what it does. Not really big money, and I finally was like, you know what? I'm gonna put more money into like crypto. So I went and bought. Uh, coins and today i noticed i i gained 600 bucks all right mm-hmm. bucks off the money i already invested so well I, you, it's unrealized gains just to be technical here though that's unrealized gains why is it unrealized gains because, because you, you actually haven't made that money you haven't, you haven't the value is higher but until you sell it you know you don't actually money. have that money yeah you don't have the profits until you've actually sold it you don't have the profits until you sold it okay so uh Still, at the end of the day, say, say I sell it, it's going to kind of go back to like when I – is it going to go off the – because the, the value changes. You know, since this is a four-hour like thing, the value changes. Some, some days it's low, some days it's high. But like when it's high, that's when I would sell. So mm-hmm. it's going to tax me off of when it's high or what I initially invested. I think it's going to oh. tax you off of what you de- deposit, what you sell at. Like so if you – Say you said you'd invested six hundred and you're selling it at nine hundred, you're gonna get nine hundred bucks in the bank that has to be taxed. Correction, three hundred bucks. Three hundred. Oh, it's the difference between what you bought and gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So just, just the gains. gains. Just the gains. Okay. Yeah, just the gains. Interesting. Okay. Because your six hundred that you already put in was taxed when you earned it. Gotcha. Okay. No. Okay. It, it's gonna be taxed when you take it out because I see there's a there's I'm going through Coinbase. There's Coinbase on top. It's like one percent. I believe on on the exit of your coin, so it could go up to like two ninety nine per per dollar. I believe. Well, that's that's Coinbase's fee. Um, that's Coinbase just charging you for for doing business with them. Plus the capital gains. Yeah. yeah plus what the government's going to take for the capital gains. But the capital gains is only on the difference between the money the, you put in and the yeah. money you take out. If yeah. the money so, you took took out at the end of the day when you sell it is higher than the money you put in, it's that difference. It's just the difference. On, not the entirety. Yeah. So in Wes's situation, uh, Uncle Sam would be taxing him on that 300, but then Coinbase is also taking 1% of either that whole thing or even still the difference. The whole thing, if I'm selling the whole thing out, it's taking... So yeah, so say you, you bought in at your six, you're selling at nine, Uncle Sam's taxing three hundred plus Coinbase is taxing nine hundred one percent of nine hundred for their fee just to manage yep. what they did for you. Yep. During during tax season or like from the year date. It'll be in that tax season, right? So if you took out this no, year, it'll be it'll be the entirety. It doesn't matter when you what the year it is. Like it's just what you the difference between when you bought it and when you sold it. Whether it's within one year, within ten years. Yeah. It's just that it's all that matters is the difference between what you bought it for and what you sold it for. But you'll be, I'm just saying you pay that tax on that year's taxes, right? Cause that's when oh, you deposited yes, the money. Yes. That's when you took yes. out the money. Yeah. So if you took that 900 out today on your 2020 taxes, you'd have to get, you'd get taxed on that 300. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But Good let's say you also sold another stock that had lost $300 this year. At the end of the year, it would show a $0 difference. Because you lost three hundred dollars here, and you gained three hundred dollars here, meaning that your net was zero. So you don't really want to take something out, mm. and yeah, now I mean, it's made fifteen to twenty percent more than what you where you started at. Yep, is the message here. 
Well, this yep. is why this is the this is the long haul. This isn't just you like do, then you're just gonna hop get in and it, yeah, this <laughs> isn't like this. a hop in and try to get your money back in a month and try to make a little cash. It's like yeah. this is like you're really planning for your future here. That's, that's what I was doing at first. I was like, oh no, let me just let me go and sell this and buy some more of this. I was like, what? The first day I got into this, I was watching this shit all day. I sun up to sundown. I'm looking at this stock market four hours after hours. And I was like, this is not any way to live because I'm going. No way to live. Guys. Yeah, I think I think that cro- <laughs> I think that crosses over into like where it's more like gambling. Like what yeah. we're talking about. It's like you're trying to play the specific stocks and you're you're hoping yeah, to get the right hit on if you have every other base covered and you're like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah, if it's here's, straight here's, up, just here's 300 bucks. What's what the hell? Let me I mean, it if, it, if it's just your fuck you money, then yeah, of course. Then it's like then, then yeah, gamble with but, it. But that's, that's not what, like what you want to be doing with your long your future term <laughs> yeah, your future goals. Yeah, this isn't the Vegas fun yeah. where you're already <laughs> planning to lose this when you're at the tables in Vegas, and if you happen to walk away winner, good for you. But you were well, already planning children, on losing that. Let me apologize. <laughs> the money, it's gone. <laughs> got too deep in the stock market <laughs> but if you give me more of yours I yeah leave. yeah let me, call, let me call the rest of my family for the eighth time <laughs> that's yeah. not the conversation you might be having yeah. you know i think one other good rule of thumb too when it comes to investing is if you're going to invest in something that's not a broad index fund ask yourself like for example cryptocurrency do you think if, if you're doing it short term, that's one thing. And honestly, cryptocurrency is a short term game. Um, Long term, do you think that cryptocurrency is going to be more reliable and increase in value more than the entire American economy over the next decade? Who's going to win? The American economy or cryptocurrency? <laughs> or cryptocurrency. <laughs> Some people would say cryptocurrency. So don't, you know, I'm not say saying it. there's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right some answer, of right? rebels out there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. I'll take my seven percent of the stock market. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm playing both right now. I feel like they're both important because um, it just seems like the value of the dollar is just becoming less and less. Like if they're printing out trillions of dollars, I kind of wonder like where are the trillions of dollars coming from? Doesn't that doesn't that mean like the value of our dollar? so? You actually bring up a good thing with like printing, quote unquote, printing money. Um, <clears throat> so when people say printing money, it's, it's, you know, it's a colloquial term because the government doesn't actually just print more money. Um, the way you, so printing money means bringing more money into the, or increasing the amount of money in circulation or putting more money into, you know, the money supply. Yeah. That actually happens through loans. Um, so each bank is required to maintain a certain amount of money within the bank. If you guys remember back in like the Great Depression, people w- had runs on the bank. were like, oh shit, all my savings are in the bank. I want my money right now. And the bank's like, well, we just had to give that guy back his savings and that guy back his savings. And we actually don't have any more money for the money that we owe you. I believe. What's that? I believe it's 10% of all yeah. money they have out in loans. They need to have 10% in actual, actual cash, cash in- as required by the Federal Reserve Bank. Yeah. So right now, you know, Wes, let's say that you have $10,000 in the bank, right? And let's say that I also have $10,000 in the bank and Clint has $10,000 and Christian has $10,000 and Jake has $10,000 in the bank. Well, if we all went to the bank right now and all wanted our money back, they wouldn't have enough money to give all of us because they're taking that money and they're giving out to people in loans. Like, people. You know, here's $50,000 to you uh, and you'll pay us back this percentage every year. Here's $10,000 to you. And we have to keep the rest here yeah. in the bank just to be safe. So the so, 
go ahead. I was gonna say, but perceptually, we all still feel like we all individually have $10,000, right? Like I have $10,000 mm-hmm. in the bank and you have $10,000 in the bank, but now there's another dude walking around with a $50,000 loan. So somehow the money supply just went up. We all have $10,000 in the bank and there's also now a guy with $50,000. So that's how, that's how, that's how the credit reserve system works. That's how yep. more money gets added so or printed. For every, for every, yep, that's how more money gets printed. For every $10, uh, effectively that that you have an actual cash there's another ninety dollars out in loans somewhere in somewhere in the economy that are expected to be paid back to support that actual ten dollar amount which is why the the economy is so much larger in a credit reserve system than it could be so people always say like end the fed and you know there's always that rhetoric that goes around but actually what the federal reserve bank allows to happen is that exact process it allows ten dollars to become ninety dollars instead of it just being ten dollars um, and that's how you print money <laughs> um but it, but there is a requirement that each bank needs to have certain amounts in actual cash and then also the, the, when there are spikes and, and there are depressions in the economy, the Federal Reserve can step in and say, hey, we're going to give out a loan to all of these different financial institutions to then take that and to do with it what they think is best in terms of like, hey, where's a safe investment right now? Should we give it to people that are trying to buy houses? Should we give it to people that are investing? Should we give it to new businesses? What should we do with it? And then the bank tries to determine where the safest, the best places to get their money back is because eventually they need to turn around and pay the Fed back. And then the Fed, after they get that money back, they then take down the federal balance so that, that is the, what's the going on right now with like the SBA loans and the, the other disaster yes. loans. Yes, and that's exactly what happened with the Troubled Asset Relief Program back in 2007, 2008. Um, and now if our government could stop spending money, that's a different conversation, but, uh, that is, you know, all of that goes in to make up what is known as like the federal, the, the national debt. There's a lot yeah. of, a lot of information. This is a lot of information. Oh, good. you could, people have studied volumes on this and then, <laughs> I mean, we're barely even getting definitions right guys. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> I mean, people do this for their full-time job and they're still learning things and stuff. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think this was a good first lesson. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, target stock or stock market index fund or Vanguard retirement fund. Those are my recommendations. If you're going to start with, uh, there's one catch. Vanguard has a $1,000 minimum to start with a fund. So you have to save up to that point. But if you're saving up to that point, something like Betterment is a great start. Before you do any of that, First, need your emergency fund. Wait, I think you said pay. Oh, emergency fund or pay your debt first. Um, emergency fund. Emergency. Fr- I, I would do emergency fund. Yeah, first. I do emergency first. Because yeah. honestly, like you don't want to burn yourself trying to pay off a loan and then have and a have nothing. And not yeah. have saving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would put an, an emergency fund before everything. And and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't need an emergency fund, it's like. Bitch. How are you doing right now? How are you doing <laughs> you right just now? Just did. <laughs> yeah, like twenty million people just realized they needed an emergency fund. Did the yeah. twelve hundred bucks you got make up for the amount of money you lost? <laughs> Probably not. So, yeah, emergency fund. 
cover your debt. High high interest debt. And then spread out index loans or support yeah. and, for and a, then retirement IRA. Tax sheltered. Tax sheltered. Tax sheltered. Tax sheltered. Yep. That's the Roth, right? Or uh, either IRA. Either IRA. Yeah. It's either whether one. you want to pay taxes up front or when you deposit it later. And if you have a 401k through your work, uh, that's also um, a tax sheltered fund. Fees are higher on a 401k. Um, they are like, cause an IRA doesn't really have fees outside of whatever funds you buy if there's fees with those. Uh, but a 401k does have management fees. However, most employers also offer a match. So if you say put a thousand dollars into your 401k, a lot of employers yeah. match that. That's free money. Put, core, put money core, though, We just force, we just force it. Yeah, we just force like, it. <laughs> we're, everyone's saving. <laughs> so, is it, yep. Is it wise for someone to kind of get all these things? Like, I want to get a mutual fund, I want to get an index fund, I want to get a Vanguard, and I want to have a Roth IRA. Is that is that smart to have? Make sure you have those things. Is that like covering all your bases, or is it you should pick one or the other? Or is it overkill? Um, it's well. First off, an IRA is not different. An IRA and a mutual fund are not the same thing. Remember, the IRA is just a classification. It's just like Jake said. It's a coat that some money wears to say, "Hey, don't tax me." So, an index fund can be the exact same index fund in and outside of an IRA. An IRA is just a classification that says this money doesn't get taxed on its growth. But also better to save for later life, like retirement, right? Because yes. So if you're saving for it too early, don't don't put it in an IRA because it's going to be feed fees or interest. If you try to take it out too early. Yeah. Yeah. If you think IRA IRA 401k, just think retirement. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so the other investments are potentially stuff you can use if things blow up now yeah, you can, and you, you want to use that money. But IRA, you should be planning. That's your planning for long-term retirement. Yeah. Yes. So you can, you can pull $10,000 out of an IRA for a down payment on a house without any penalty. Up to 10,000 is what you're saying. You could just yep. pull up mm-hmm. to 10,000 without a, without an issue. If, yeah, so I feel like you're the guy in Shawshank Redemption right now. <laughs> I know, man. I do a lot of reading on this. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, the government wants you to save for retirement. They want you to buy a house. They want you to be stable. And there's a lot of like, you know, things Options in the tax to code to do this. But ignore uh, that. Tools. Ignore that. Ignore this and that. If it's going into your IRA, you don't touch it till you're 60. Just think of it that way. That's just how you should look at it. Yeah. So like, uh, with, with, sucks to me is like say you get paid through like paypal there's a fee associated with that all right mm-hmm. PayPal money and then put it in you know you have to put it in your bank and then you want to take it and use it into um whatever like say stuff so like you're still going to be taxed again off capital gains it's just like i feel like we're just getting screwed all the way around like there's like never getting your full two dollar amount Welcome to taxes. Yeah, well, <laughs> welcome to America. Welcome to and Wes, Wes just, just became a little bit of a Republican just right there. Dude, yeah, it's like well, yeah. you think about it, man, and, and it's like, yeah, you think about what we do and, you know, it's like you got, say say it's like you take a, you take a brand integration, okay? Well, 
the brand goes to the agency. So you have the real dollars. There's yeah. the, say it's a thousand dollars and the brand's like, I want to spend a thousand dollars on marketing. I made this thousand dollars from selling a product to a consumer. So then they turn back around and they already got taxed on it all the way through. Right. And they got taxed on the storage fee and they got taxed on the distributor and they got taxed on the retail and they got taxed on the gains and they got taxed on the corporate tax, blah, 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 blah. And then they're finally yeah, like, have a thousand. <laughs> Okay, I've got my money. Okay, what do I do with it? They're like, quick, quick, give it to an influencer. Okay, and then the influencer's like, okay, but what? Don't but just you left out the agency. Yeah. You left out the agency. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't go don't directly to him. Don't give it to an agency. And then the agency's like, okay, okay, we'll take your money. We're gonna take X amount of fee. Okay, but then, but then we don't actually know the influencers. Okay, so you gotta go to the you gotta go to the MCN. Okay, so then so go to the MCN. And then the like, okay, well, we're gonna take this much. And then the MCN's like, okay, cool. All right, we got this vertical right here. You guys are gonna sell so many pieces of, of toilet. You guys are gonna sell so much toilet paper. You don't even know. You don't even want to know. Okay, yeah. all this money too. back. They're like, okay, and they're sharding across the agency, and well, the agency's counting its money, and then the MCN's like, okay, guys, here, here, guys, come on over, we got some money, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna give it out, and then, and then, the, and then the influencers are like, oh, hey, hey, but then one of them's like, oh, um, uh, oh, I gotta pay that guy over there, I, I gotta pay this guy here, oh, and then, oh, I guess I made some money, oh, I got operational costs for my channel, oh, I, I better pay tax on that, uh, and then I'll turn around, and then, and then you turn around, and you're like, okay, okay, how much do we make? How much did they make? And you're like, that's, is that less than what they got? Wait, what am, where, where am I in this ladder? <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah, and then, man, and then you turn around and you're like, okay, now do I, do I, oh, I owe tax. Okay. Now I owe, uh, I owe California tax. Okay. Um, okay. Now oh, I had to buy that car. Um, okay. Now <laughs> dude. And it just goes on, man. It just goes yeah, on. That's the whole America. Take that thousand and you, you end up with like two and you're like, hey, I'm just hoping for my seven and a half percent. <laughs> Somebody, please. That, that's insane. I love how you broke that shit down. Is it okay? Is it tax evasion if I'm like, Sam working here in Cali, right? It's thirty percent tax, but I'm like, you know what? Let me go ahead and move to Iowa, where it's like fifteen percent tax. No, no, it depends. Not evasion. I classify that. Yeah. Like, cover, California is not dumb. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gonna ask you. They're gonna say how much of your business enterprises were reliant on our state. And then they're going to say, was it X percent or was it X percent? And you're going to have to give them an answer. And if <laughs> it's not an answer that they it. like, they're going to look into it. So you're like, oh, fuck. okay, maybe it's this percent. And then they're like, Hmm. All right. We'll deal with that now. But next year we'll have the same conversation. Why is it like this? I'm so upset. <laughs> Wes, there's look, there's a saying, there's two things in life. That are inevitable. Death and right? taxes. Death and taxes. And that's not a lie. <laughs> you, will, you will pay taxes. That's just and how you it's going to die be. one day. Because, every, yep. because everything has a cost. That's why. It, because everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. And, and that's just how, that's how it is in our, that's how it is in our economy. That's how it is in nature. That's how it is at every level. Everything has uh, is equal and opposite reaction. And, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, you just, you just got to try to make the process for someone to, to eventually get those two bucks at the end of the rainbow and, and make it as, as at least as easy as you possibly can so that they can then turn around and, 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 and do that again. And, and the more times that that process repeats itself, the more revolutions that there are, the more wealth is created for, for everyone. When you when you create a when you create like a mutual fund, 
can you take the individual stocks that you've already bought and put it inside of there? No, you'll have to sell them first and then buy that mutual. Fund. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a Jake's little like right there was a great perfect. note about this podcast. Perfect ending. Yeah, yes. perfect ending. Thank you for being our every man. <laughs> uh, this is Clint, thank you for inspiring oh, this, is... this conversation. Clint ended up just not talking partway just through, absorbing. but Clint, you were the inspiration for this. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's good, I guess. <laughs> Glad, yeah. Great. I hope, I hope we can continue talking about this stuff because I learned a lot right sure. And, you know, just like how I'm going to restructure everything that I thought I was doing right, um, you know, based off those, those new four steps to follow. So, it's always it's always a learning curve. It's always a process, and yeah, like you told me the other day, uh, every time I've ever lost money, it was because I thought that what I didn't know didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> that's super important, and I've been I've been taking that to heart as well. So, people yeah. helping people. Yep. Um, Reddit.com slash r slash personal finance. Um, I give them a good shout out for helping you establish basic investing techniques. Wait, can you put that in the chat? I'll, I'll text it to you sometime. Sometime, Wes. <laughs> R slash personal finance. Just type that into Google. <laughs> or Reddit right, personal guys. finance. All right, fellas. Everybody, thanks for listening so much. I appreciate it. Uh, it was good chatting with you dudes. I, I'm really into investments and actually talking about them. So this was, uh, this was a, a joyous podcast for me. Yeah, let us know in the comments if you want to see more. And uh, consider subscribing. Yeah. Thanks, everybody.